Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. Italy make history twice against France this weekend, but why are we drinking neat gin and not Spritz? that kick went over, I would have won 330 quid. And that's why we're drinking neat gin and not spritz. Can't even afford tonic. <laughs> Tonic's got very expensive. What were the odds? 33? 33 to 1. Yeah, I can't, guys. I can't. I can't. I cried. Well, you'll cry more when you find out how much money I put on that bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can work it out because you said 330 quid. <laughs> Ah, uh, guys, if you're just as sad as us, welcome to the Neat Gin Supporters Club. It's just us. Any Scots are welcome. Yeah. It'd be kind <laughs> of like an AA meeting. It's just the Italians and the Scots all discussing how... We've all been robbed! Yeah. And somehow France are at the middle of it. And I'm not plugging conspiracy theories, but... I am. How did that number seven building fall down? Uh, no, we're not doing 9-11 <laughs> stuff, even though Coach would love that. Coach would So let me just go. I liked it. Obviously, that's nothing to do with France, but look, I've seen Taken, and I've seen the dirty underbelly of Paris. And if you're telling me there's no possibility, then those people like that Liam Neeson is chasing down, doing some dodgy shit to make sure the Scots and the Italians are absolutely shafted, well, I think I have a particular set of skills. And those skills are paying off refs. I'm joking, I'm joking. Whoa! I'm joking. Here we are, having a laugh. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. You're trying to make light of a, of a terrible situation, <laughs> and, you, and you just go right out there and say that. No, no one is saying that. What I'm saying <laughs> is that it was his first game mm -hmm. as a referee. I thought he had a pretty good one, but he definitely cocked up that ending with those kicks because he sent the first person back who yeah. charged that kick down yeah. and warned them to not do it. That in itself is a sign of leniency. Yeah. And then the pricks did it again, yeah. and then he just warned them again. And then the kick was missed, and no penalty was given. It wasn't moved 10 metres up. But they did it twice yeah. and he saw it twice because yeah. he told them twice to back off. I think the only thing we can do at this point is drown our sorrows in neat gin and laugh about it. Like find, <laughs> I, 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 I was so sad. I was sad for hours. It's been a couple of hours since the game. We're recording it straight off the bat, same day because we're busy the rest of the week. And look, yeah, let's just try and find some comedy. Coaches well, there's memes. loads of positives. We don't have to be like that. There's, no, there, no, there, no, I mean... Are, I, there there yes. genuinely are loads of positives, of but it, isn't it bizarre that the most successful game, second most successful game, Italy have had in yoinks in the Six Nations, and it feels like a loss. Yeah, and and we'll, de like, we'll deep dive into the game in a second, but 15 minutes in, 20 minutes into the game, I turned to Eddie and was like, it's going to be a long afternoon because France just looked powerful their scrum was 100 kilograms heavier than the italian yeah. scrum 
And I've it, never seen that before. Has anyone ever seen no. that before? I don't think I've ever seen that before where it's a hundred kilos difference. You normally see like maybe 30, maybe 50, maybe 60. You're like, oh, a hundred kilo difference. Like that is, uh, imagine a hundred kilo human being lying flat on the Italian scrum, like as extra weight that they have against them than the French. But the Italians handled it pretty well. And actually they turned those scrums around. They turned them around. Ferrari came back later on in the second half and he was amazing, Spaniolo. All of them, to be honest, they really handled that difficult situation yeah. excellently. Their defence, the effort, I mean, God, it was exhausting watching it and you were thinking, could it go on for 80 minutes? Yeah. Because Not because they're unfit, because that trope is annoying and painful and tedious and luckily you don't hear it anymore because obviously the Italians are fit. But, God, you just... The amount of tackles, the amount of pressure. Yeah. God, it was exhausting watching it. But then actually, not only did they keep that up, they bettered it in the second half. Yeah. Ugh, and then yeah. didn't get the win, which is exhausting. Let's start from the beginning. For anyone who hasn't seen the game, spoiler alert, it ends in a draw. 13-13. 13 all. Unlucky 13. Or lucky 13. In Italy... Number 13 is a good luck number, so there you are. Italy made 112 tackles compared to France's 51 in the first half. The first half, honestly, it is not a miracle. Gonzalo said it's not a miracle that the first half ended 10-3. It's not. It is a monumental effort on behalf of everyone on that team to keep France to 10 points. Honestly, on paper, it was going to be a bloodbath of tries because Italy basically spent, I'm going to say, 30 plus minutes of the first 40 defending inside their 22. And the shift that everyone put in was monumental. So here are some stats. So yes, overall, by the end of the game, Italy had made 174 tackles to France's 109. 174 is a massive number. But this is a great stat. And really showed towards the end they won 18 turnovers yeah. against that french pack the french pack which was 100 kilos heavier the french pack which was prolific that looked like it could have had them on toast at the beginning and italy managed to turn them over 18 times put that in your pipe and smoke it line out i mean i've got to say everyone played an amazing game and he's our pub quiz team member favretto at number six he had a really tough day at the office yeah. because I think he could be the next Courtney Laws, all right? But he weighs 10 kilos less than Courtney Laws and they're the same height. He's got a lot of filling out to do. Copyright Alex from Instagram. He's got a lot of filling, right, filling out to do. And he had a really tough, bloody job at number six in the aberrance of said Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, but what it meant is that the line out functioned like a dream. I think they cocked up one line out, which was in the second half. Yeah, a really quite an important, one. important moment. <laughs> But not his fault. And, he, and on top of that, he was putting the French line out under pressure once he gave away a penalty for hooking an arm. But he was there. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Yes. And there's not much. If he, what, he's 22 years old, he's an absolute child in that yes. position. And it's not his position. Yeah. Let's put that out there as well. So anyone listening to this who doesn't know, Favretto, who was playing number six for Italy, he's a 22-year-old who plays second row for Benetton, and he hardly ever gets on. He hardly ever plays for Benetton. That's that's it. You're, you're right. He did as well as he could, but what 
an epic ask for him. And to be honest, in the first half, I felt like he was lacking. Not through any fault of his own, but just because you're playing France, the French national team who are beasts, and you are 22 years old and play second row, sort of fourth choice second row at Benetton. It's worth mentioning because the way the commentary, the punditry, was talking about this, they were saying basically, you know, after the game, because they don't know what to say, it was kind of like, oh, well, you know, France are missing loads of players, but didn't Italy do well? No, obviously Dupont's in Canada. Everyone knows that, but he's been away the entire Six Nations. That French side was a rocket, absolute rocket fire. It was huge. You mean in quality of players, not in how they played? No, yeah, in quality of players. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing, some of the names in that French side, Ramos at fullback, Peno on the wing, Fico in the centres, Dante in the centres, Jalibert at 10, Luca at 9, and you've got Bale, uh, Malvaca, Antonio, Woki, Olivon. This is a massive, massive side. And to put Favretto in there, I think he did an all right job. Obviously, there were a lot of mistakes. I think he gave away a couple of penalties. And sometimes he got made to look a bit silly by Martin Pedrello giving the ball once when he shouldn't have and twice badly. Favretto's two metres tall, so if he's reaching up above his head to catch it, it's not a good pass. But look, the first half I thought could have ended like 24-0. And what really pissed me off was when we had an opportunity, we had a penalty kind of in front of the post or like not like a kickable penalty and they chose to go to touch and I'm like guys you're 10 nil down just get on the scoreboard I cannot tell you how many times teams end up getting nilled because they don't take the easy points to start like just get points on the board and then you come back again don't just go oh we don't know when our next opportunity is going to be to come into the 22 so let's just try the line out and see what like no take the three because going from once you once you've got more than zero do what you want but you need to get more than zero to start doing anything and they didn't and they kicked the touch the line out so ball got turned over and there we go we're back in our own 22 defending for the next 25 minutes luckily then the end of the first half he managed to eventually get out after what was nothing short of herculean to defend for that long and get three points right towards the end. And actually, credit to Pedrillo for going, I'll take that kick, because I think Obizi was saying it's too long for him. I think Martin Pedrillo had a fantastic game, and I was really surprised when they subbed him off. Was I thought he was looking superb. But then you know what? Stephen Varney came on yeah. and brought something else. He did, actually. And was actually great. He did. He, I mean, look, he came on... No, he came on, and um, I think the first thing he did was he did a, a really shitty box kick that didn't go into touch well i think martin pedrello's got kicking over stephen varley his yeah. kicking is phenomenal he literally did a massive kick and then got subbed off and then he was like what this was the kick of the game yeah. well it's like a 50 22 that wasn't a 50 22 because it was anyway yeah. yeah but stephen varney brought something else which look casada has proven to be a smooth operator that we were saying what's jesse got to do to get a look in Having all these discussions, I think everything that Casada has chosen to do has been validated across the board, decision-wise, selection. We really weren't sure about this game. Look, yeah. they drew with France away in France and Six Nations. They've never done that before away in France and the Six Nations. As far as I know, if they did, no, they haven't. I was a baby. They haven't. They haven't. And 
that substitution's part of it. Favretto, that's part of it because the line-out worked and that was so key. And the line-out stopped France just having an easy time. The defence was through the roof. It was phenomenal. Look, they gave away a lot of penalties in that first half. And at one point I was like, God, are we risking a yellow here? Because there were quite a few. Because we had to defend for about 30 minutes on our own try line. I was worried that there was going to be a yellow, but there wasn't. And actually, every time they gave away a penalty, it was like, right, another scrum or right. another. They actually came back and defended even harder. And it's huge credit to them because I would have bet good money that that first half was ending with France in the 20s. So did I. I really couldn't. Yeah. But also, I didn't even think that their try was a try. Well, this is it, right? Actually, we drew with France and France didn't even score a try in the whole game. Uh, that was not a try. <laughs> if that's a try, then the Scotland game, that was a try then because yeah. there was no visual. There was branding. no. And also, to me, it looked very clearly like he had dropped the yeah, ball to, and then was not in control of it. The only reason he's in control of it, like it ends up back in his hands, is because it bounces off of Lamaro's head. But he's not in control of that. It just so yeah. happens that he drops it and it bounces back into his hands off Lamaro's head. So. Yeah, I, I think that it was, to me, really dubious that they gave it. And the people on ITV thought that it wasn't a try. The commentators were like, to me, that's not controlled. So yeah. I don't get, I didn't get that. And I think most people would agree with that. But there we are. Yeah, France, um, that was their only try of the whole game, guys. Their only try of the whole game. That is fantastic. Because at, at the point there, they looked under so much pressure. You thought, oh, God, is this going to be like the World Cup again? Yeah. Is, are there, is this going to just open up? And Italy just said no. And their backs were so good at stopping those French backs. Casada wanted to pick players that play a lot in France because they won't be so intimidated. And I think that worked. I think it really played. Yeah. I think Maury had a great game. Brex, superb. Menoncello out on the wing got man of the match, out he of was position. incredible. He was. And if I'm playing three-dimensional chess... Part yes. of me is thinking that Casada is planning, get used to seeing Menoncello on the wing because we all saw what Van der Merwe did against England. Well, Van der Merwe's coming up in their next game. Yeah. So you need a player. Who's a player that you could put opposite Van der Merwe that's going to control that fucker? Yeah. Because no one seems to be able to do it in world rugby. And if anyone can do it, Menoncello can do it. So I was thinking maybe him being on the wing this time is actually testing the water, getting him used to it. So when he's there in two weeks' time in Rome, opposite Van der Merwe, it's not out of position for him. I it's just another day at the office. It's a very, very interesting theory. Yeah. Poor Jesse. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Jesse, 100%. Look, Jesse scores tries. Jesse scores a million tries. But Casada knows what he's doing, clearly, yeah. because having watched that selection, going back... I would not change it and put Jesse on. And I love Jesse. And I've been banging on on this podcast how Jesse needs to play. I think for a couple of weeks now, I've been banging on about how he needs to start him. But he was right and I was wrong because that game was all about defence. Yeah. It was all about defence. It was less about attack. And that's just the way it panned out. So how do you like them apples? Well, yeah, I like those apples. Your scrum was 100 <laughs> kilos lighter than the French scrum. That's a whole me. And change. That's as much as Jesse weighs. So you got... Jesse. And change, did you say? <laughs> yeah. But there was no point, was there? Because there was no momentum in, in either of those teams to get the ball out wide. So, you know, we saw bits of Monty and, and you know, Menagello running. But yeah, it was all about the forwards. And I'm glad they've had that game because those forwards were 
needing a good test and they got it today. They got a good run out today, didn't they? Oh, they bloody did. And just just seeing this stat here, look, talking about the lineouts, own lineouts won, Italy 14, own lineouts lost, one. That is what you call a successful turnaround from literally not yeah. being able to buy a lineout against Ireland for him to go, right, we need more lineout options. Yeah. Let's bring in the two metre second row, the baby from Benetton, who doesn't play number six. We'll play him out of position, but our lineout will function. Yeah. And it worked. I completely agree. France didn't do any better. France won 15 lineouts and lost one. But they didn't seem, yeah, I, no, I thought Italy did really well in the lineout this time, for sure. Like, humongous improvement. So much so, though, that I did say to Eddie, is it just that France aren't competing for it? But they did. No, they competed. Both of they did. No, I think they did compete. Italy competed lots of the time un unless they thought France were going to go for a rolling more. And I think vice versa is pretty similar. I almost died when there was a couple of moments in the first half where it almost looked like Italy were going back to like the Italy of old that just runs from everywhere. Where like Monty got the ball, passed back Jeez, to him and like kick it out, suicidal. kick it, just kick it. And he just decided to run with it. And it's like, what are you doing? We have just spent 30 minutes. And then, and then pass and it to Brex. And then Brex takes two years to kick it, gets it charged down and suddenly they're defending. Oh, yeah. And then, and then when they won a penalty in their own 22 and Ross Vincent decides to just tap and go and just like, go on his own and I'm like are you mental all it takes is a French guy to stop you and turn you over because you are completely alone which luckily, they tried to do they luckily tried to do. he went down to his elbows yeah. and the penalty went the other way yeah. but that could have easily gone the other way so there were just moments where I was like god but having said that I thought Ross Vincent for his first start for Italy he was very solid considering how much we we need and we know how much we need Lorenzo Canone he I think did pretty well. It does raise concerns for the Italian rugby forward wise. They do, I don't know what they do, they just need to put Rutzer and Favretto and Zambin in. Do all these guys need to go on about a 10,000 calorie a day diet and just <laughs> bulk up? Because it's terrifying that actually, unless they change something, unless they do bulk these guys up. This could be a recurring problem that they have and they're always going to be up against it. So what is the solution so that you're not always under that kind of pressure at scrum time and in the forwards? What can they do? Fischetti is great, but he's not a big man. But I don't think he can yeah. get much bigger. What can you do to him? He's pretty stacked for yeah. the size that he is. Yes. You've got Spaniolo. Yeah. Ferrari was great when he came yeah, on. Yeah, he was great. And considering he hasn't played a game in months. But I just want more wait i want more beef again you don't realize how much you miss seb negri until seb negri is not there because he is an absolute unit and i think that's a compliment to him because he does so much hard work that is often unseen not just his massive ball carries and you go you get used to him being there and yeah. as soon as he's not there you go Shit, well, we, you know, we need someone to do that now you know who, who, who's going to do it who did that in open play today El capitano he put in I mean, they say lead by example. I think he got the most tackles, made the most tackles in this game. Um, and I think by like half time, that was 17 tackles. By half time, he had made 17 tackles. Like, think about that. That is like a lot for a full time score. And he'd done that by half time. But the carries he was doing, the holes he was 
punching and busting through. He... Well, no, it says here he's got 18 tackles in total. Oh, maybe. That is weird, because they did say that on yeah. the thing. They did have that up there. Anyway, the holes he was busting, the effort he was putting in, it was just... I think it might be the best game I've ever seen him play. He was phenomenal. Because he was ball carrying, he was intense, tackling was good. I actually can't think of a single Italian player that I would say had a bad game. No, they Some were. people might have a go at Favretto, but I don't think that's appropriate at all. Playing out of position, 22 years old, against that pack, he did everything he could. It, they asked too much of him, I think, to give him a hard time. Yeah, and, I agree. And, 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 that's and... fair. That's a fair assessment. You can't give him a hard time because they asked so much beyond what he's ever done. But what he was meant to do... He did. The reason he was there was just a massive tick. Because let's face it, if you didn't need the height and the line out from him, then you would have, I don't know, you could have juffled, shumbled, shuffled, shumbled, shuffled, shuffled it around and put Lakata in the back row. You could have put another Italian back row on who's fantastic. You could have started Zuliani and put Lakata on the bench. They needed his height, they needed his size. And he did well. Tough day no, at the office. They, they all. I, honestly, I was, I was about to do a post with Menoncello because obviously Menoncello got man of the match going. Like, but also it could have gone to this person. Like, but then I was like, there's no point because it could have gone to so many people. Just put in. I'm gonna keep saying Herculean because they were Herculean shifts. I want to mention how great Paolo Garbisi was. I think he was phenomenal when we talk about playing the players who play in france gonzalo said you know because hopefully and this is meant in a good way and i get what he meant they have less respect for the french team because they're used to playing them so they're less like in awe overwhelmed scared by it. it's just like another day at the office i'm gonna smash some french players he was smashing everyone he was smashing Antonio. he was smashing olivon he was everywhere and I thought he was phenomenal. He was defensively an incredibly accurate performance. In attack, exciting. There are no complaints about his game. Obviously, we'll touch on the kick at the end. That's not his fault. That's not and his also, fault. he slotted the one from the touchline from the try, the conversion. Yeah. He had a great game, an absolutely great game. Again, I think they all had a great game. Obviously, in the second half, they're playing against 14 men. Yes. Cor rightly so. Rightly so. That Coach, is what a red card looks like. Coach, thoughts on that red card? I thought we could have gone either way, but I'm, you know, I'm glad it was a red card. But Did you? I, I was it. like, it's the most like, obvious of red cards. Like, it's head right, to head. Rushing he is in, running in. Hits him in the head. Yeah. I think head on head things maybe need to be looked at a tiny bit because they're... Yeah, that's why I thought it you was... You know, tackle way. someone with your head, it's always all going to be an accident. But but you hit, hit him first though, and then his head hit. Him. But there's no attempt to even remotely dip. Like he is as no, no. upright as you can be. I think it could you could give that you know play that out ten times. I think it would be fifty fifty. Yeah, they're all red. For me, I think more red. Just because head on head, if you've gone in and you've made an effort to tackle legally, you can't help the fact necessarily yeah. your head is on top of your shoulders. And if but the tackle was like, reckless, but Brex was bolt upright. And yeah. Dante came in bolt upright. Yeah. And so what did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's It could have gone either way. But I understand both yeah. sides. But I'm glad but yeah. it was a red. Me too. I'm glad it was a red because Eddie made the point that obviously also I'm glad it was a... I'm glad if they were going to lose a player, it was from the backs 
even though the scrum was struggling because if they lost one from the forwards they would just they wouldn't notice Italy would gain no major advantage the scrum would just go a little bit more even whereas losing one from the backs meant that Italy had in theory an area of the pitch that they were actually superior it meant that their runners could run and they could play and they could find holes suddenly Maury and Dante who in the first half were able just to knock 10 tons of shit out of each other because that's the way they play suddenly Dante wasn't in front of Maury and that made space and it, it gave Italy an actual area that they could capitalize on and you could see them doing it you could see the way you know, at one point, what, Capuzzo ran all the way across the pitch to give a pass to Menoncello, which then was forward. But they that they were trying to capitalise on that space when it was there. Yeah. I would like to give a shout-out to Menoncello's volley. Oh. That just went over the dead ball area, because that could have been amazing. That was in Rome. It was a try, because they got a massive yeah. dead ball area at the Stadio Olimpico. Yeah. That would have been a try there. So true. Did you also enjoy uh, Lucchese off the back of the rolling mall running? Yeah, off? I don't know. Breaking I don't know away. what to make of that because <laughs> also at that position in the game, there's no need to do that. For anyone like, who like, doesn't remember like it, it was it was a rolling wall and Lucchese, the hooker off the back of it, fake runs, breaks away and like runs to sort of make a break, but it doesn't have the ball, but he like pretends he's holding the ball. I loved is, it. Is he okay? Because he was smiling <laughs> while he was doing it. And I'm like, is he having a breakdown? <laughs> but are you Love allowed it. do we know are you allowed I you're allowed to so. no you're, you're allowed to run however the hell you want you're not allowed to run into people <laughs> i guess okay. it's okay. you're not allowed to initiate contract yourself but if you're run, you can run and if they tackle you they're tackling with you out the ball and that's true if you if you run into them and obstruct them obviously you're not allowed to do that but you can just run <laughs> i mean it, it worked it pulled the defense that way you just a, he was just a dummy runner it was funny. I, I really enjoyed it. I think that. he was told by the ref something afterwards. There was a bit where sort of the ref... Yeah, like, you've, have you lost your mind? <laughs> <laughs> have you gone mad? This is wrong with you. <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that in, like, the 10 metre channel as well? Like, you're, you should be busy. <laughs> it was a tactic coach. I'm guessing well, they discussed this. It wasn't I, I don't think he had the brainwave on his own. Well, they've done him they've done him over there because they he just ran off and no move happened. <laughs> That's true actually. Just standing no there going, what? All right, all right. Well, all right, I'll join the back of the rock then. <laughs> you're right. It's Thanks, not like guys. he did it and then they did something sneaky. No. <laughs> like they didn't know that he'd gone off. But enjoyed the smile. Another notable mention, obviously, Zuliani with that turnover at the end. Having Zuliani on the bench is just such a weapon. Anyone listening to this who listen, watches the Premiership and doesn't see much URC, statistically, he's the second best player in the United Rugby Championship, according to the United Rugby Championship. He's an absolute monster. They call him the Kraken, I think, copyright Carbo Rugby. But anyway, the Kraken, and that was it. That turnover at the end. Yeah. Oh, so fine. Let's talk about this bloody kick. The penalty is given because Italy were awesome. They got that penalty and they got another penalty before it. And then they cocked up. And then and then they got another penalty from this turnover. Garbisi goes to kick it. The clock's in the red. The clock has started. 60 seconds. Garbisi puts the ball down. He goes back. The ball falls off the tee. The French players charge which they're not allowed to do. The referee sends them back. 
Garbisi corrects the ball with Vincent. They put it back on the tee. The shot clock is going down. At now this there's point. about 10 seconds left. He goes back. They charge again. They stop themselves. The ref sends them back. Garbisi kicks it, hits the post. France get the ball. Italy were chasing on it, so they could have got it, but it went off skew right. And then Brex has to tackle someone into touch, and that's the end of the game. How the hell does that happen? One, in an indoor stadium where there's no wind. And two, why were the French players warned twice, not once, twice about charging that kick? Why was that not? What's meant to happen there is that you take an, if you miss it, you take another penalty 10 metres closer because it's unnecessary pressure on the kicker in what is supposed to be a completely sterile environment for the penalty kicker. That would be my only criticism, really, of this ref all day. Me too. And you know what? It was a ref on his first game. I didn't know this rule, but I did think at the time, I was like, why are they charging a penalty? They're not allowed to charge a penalty. Surely there should be something against that. Like, surely you should get an extra 10 seconds. Or I, I didn't know the rules. The rule is, if you're charging a penalty, you get another penalty against you and it's 10 metres further up. You have to stand there in silence with your arms by your side, not moving. Meanwhile, what actually happened was the French players were walking all over the place. A couple of them charged it, got sent back. A couple of them charged it again, sent it. And on top of that, the water boy is standing there in front of Garbisi moving. All of that is a bit of a shit show. And it's another one where France have dodged a bullet. What annoys me as well a little bit there is I didn't know that rule. The ref maybe might not know that rule, but no. he knows the rule Whoa. that you're not allowed to charge. No, no, no. What I mean is he doesn't like it's so rare that you no, have a situation. No, no, no. Like he that. knows the rules. I mean, let's not pat that's okay, even worse. Fine. Of course he knows, he knows that. But then so do the other three referees that are there to assist him. He they might say there was no damage done, that it didn't affect Paolo Garbisi at all, and that it didn't matter. I would say to that bollocks yeah. i would say to that of course it makes a difference the last kick of, the game. of course it makes a difference and i think the italians should have made more of a song and dance yeah, about it too. but of course you can see with the shot clock why garbisi wasn't going to yeah. stand there and make a song and a dance about because it he had seven because seconds if he to kick did it. if he even gestured at them and then missed that kick the whole world would go mate why are you not just focusing on the kick yeah, why yeah, are you yeah. being such a prima exactly. donna why are you doing that so He's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Yeah. And the referee needs to go, actually, you know what? These that was unfair. Of course it's got in his eye. Of yeah. course it's made a bit of a difference. And it hit the post. So I tell you what, the smallest difference was enough by definition of it hitting the fucking post. Yeah. And honestly, honestly... If he skewed it and sliced it, you'd be like, well, it won't make any difference. But it was the post. Eddie made a comment afterwards to try and cheer me up because I actually was, I was really upset. Um, I was really upset and Eddie made a comment, I think partly to cheer me up, but also he was like, maybe cheer myself up. Yeah. Maybe that ball falling over did Garbisi a favor because it took away the pressure of like, if he'd missed it, but I turned around to Eddie and I was like, there was no way Garbisi was missing that kick. I would honestly, when they got that penalty, there was no doubt in my mind that that kick was going over. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've gone back on what I said a little bit there. He would have made it. However, if he lined up and did miss it, that would have been terrible. 
But I think he's still going to be kicking himself over this. And you know what? He's got a week off, and I'm really glad that he's going to go to Toulon, to his new club, which has just signed him. And he's going to be there with his two new coaches, Andrea Massi and Sergio Parise, who are going to be able to put an arm around him mm-hmm. and shelter him and tell him how great he is. Yeah. Because I think, and remind him that they've just made history doing something that no Italian side has done before in the Six Nations, drawing with France in France. And I think there's no better place for him than to be there having a welcome dinner with Sergio Parise and Sergio Parise telling him that. It's so much better than him to be out in the sticks, yeah, in Montpellier, whatever, somewhere else on his own, thinking about coulda, shoulda, woulda. Now you've got the greatest, most capped Six Nations player there's ever been, and he's going to look after him. And then he'll come back and he'll be fine. Hopefully they don't play him next weekend. <laughs> Which is an issue, again, for any English listeners, any Italian player that plays abroad, they get played in the weeks off. So how's that for player management? Welfare. If- Literally, they've all been playing. All of like they were all playing last weekend. So there we are. A draw against France away in France. If that kick went over, if the ref did his job at that final bit, I would be three hundred and forty quid richer. But I am not. Next year's Netflix documentary is going to be very good, isn't it? With all these margin calls, can you imagine? That's a really good point. That's a really good point because the Scotland game last week, two weeks ago, and then this one today. They're not easily as forgettable. Now you've got Netflix following you around. Yeah. So Scotland can consider themselves absolutely robbed, which I've said before. And if you look at the table now, it really comes into its own because France are sitting up there pretty and they really shouldn't be. Yeah. The bottom three, even if you take the fact you don't affect anything, don't change anything with the game today. So you just let that kick be as it was. Forget that. But it should be. In that case, Wales on three points, Italy on three points, and France are on six points, and they should be on three points also. Yeah. So they should have, in that sense, three teams at the bottom all on three points. If you took the kick and you really stretched it and you moved it around, then you could say, well, actually, Italy should have won today, so they should actually be on five points and, and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to go that far. But I am going to say that this table is completely skewed because of that awful decision in Murrayfield. And really, you should have three sides at the top all going for it. And you should have three sides at the bottom all going for it, which would be way more exciting than what we currently have. And I still don't understand how the hell that wasn't given as a try. Scottish people, if you're out there, we feel your pain. And like, look, I'm very used to getting decisions against us and just feeling that pain. Um, And I think Scottish people probably are too because even though Scotland I think is the second best team in the Six Nations they're only recently very very good so they also used to get the rub of the shit calls well this year they definitely are because so far well I'm sorry when are England going to accept they're not very good when are English fans going to accept they're not very good they were bad in the World Cup they had an easy way out and all the English fans I know are like oh well you can only beat what's in front of you as they scraped past Fiji <laughs> as they, you know, basically, was it, who was it? Samoa in Lille almost beat them. You know, awful performances by England. One good game against South Africa. They emotionally dug in and did the business there, but still lost. And then this, they've come in and they're just equally shit. 
Yeah. And that's not saying off Italy because Italy lost to them by three points. Mm-hmm. And then I was in Twickenham. So I saw them play twice. I saw them play in Rome and they were unimpressive. And then I saw them play at Twickenham against Wales and it was deeply, depressingly unimpressive. And then they just went to Scotland and got their asses handed to them. And I think there needs to be a time. And this, this is, you can't hide it. You can't be like, oh, it's a rebuild. Steve's trying to do his thing. The average caps were over 40. This is not a new team. And I don't know how you get away with this thing that Wales are allowed to claim a rebuild. No one talks about Italy that way. Italy have just got a new coach. He's only done the games in the Six Nations and he turned up at the beginning of the Six Nations. And before that, lots of the players hadn't even met him. Anyway, that's by the by. England right now are appalling. I'm going to say they're appalling. They need to be so much better than they are. I don't know where they go. I don't know what they do. Borthwick, it's just not working. He's a nice guy. But last year, record defeat against France and F1 said, oh, well, he's new, he's new, he's new, give him time, went to the World Cup, World Cup, terrible performances. I mean, if you have to rely on George Ford to be able to pluck out drop goals out of his ass, and that's the only way you can score any points, then, then, then you're awful. It looked for a little bit against Scotland that like they were trying to attack, finally, but how many tries did they score? One, I think. One? Yeah. Garbage. Absolute garbage. And I digress. Anyway, that's got nothing not... to do with Italian rugby. <laughs> But it gets me going. So yes, I completely agree. This, the table is skewed. The Netflix documentary will be frustrating to watch in a year's time because we'll have to just relive the pain of this crap. But there we are. Yes, I agree. It would be a lot more exciting to have three teams fighting for the top, three teams scrambling to not be at the bottom. But that's not the case that we're in. Wales, somehow, even though every time I watch them, I'm like, bleh, somehow they still seem to stay in games. Obviously, the final score against Ireland was not close, and they did get a penalty try, so actually they didn't score any tries against Ireland either. So technically, Wales were basically nilled by Ireland as well. Let's go with that. Yeah, I think we should just kick Wales out of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward in the in the grown-up Six Nations, there we are. Italy, next games, in theory, the scary games, in inverted commas, are over. They've got Scotland at home and they've got Wales away. Last time they played in Wales, they won. And Scotland at home is a game traditionally they can target. So those games, they'll both be going for. And it looks like the home game against Scotland has sold out. Possibly for the first time ever they've sold out the Stadio Olimpico. But that's what it looks like, which is huge and it shows that the nation is getting behind italian rugby that's massive and i think the two last games will both be targeted as wins and if they can do what they did today against scotland at home or against wales there's absolutely no reason why they can't win them yeah the pressure is kind of you're right the tough games are over the pressure now is that everyone's going well like if you can draw against france you can take england to the end you've got your tough games out of the way now it's like, really show us what you can do. And not winning against France, I think, today, but not losing. Mm-hmm. So they'll feel like they've lost a little bit today. Yeah. And then they'll get over it and they'll start to realise they did something good. And not just the drawing, but the manner, the way they went about their business. To be the ones at the end that were pushing to win and not being the ones standing under their own posts, hoping that that kick was missed. Yeah. That is a monumental shift That's true. in how things operate normally. 
and they're going to be chomping at the bit to get this win. And I think actually the energy is going to pour through. So it's going to be really exciting to see. And I think all the selections have been bang on the money. I wouldn't play Favretto again at six, but then... Then what do you do with the line-out? Well, yeah. We've just said that the line-out was fixed this week. It's tough. I'll leave it up to Casada. He I knows best. I don't have to worry about it. He's the coach. But yeah. So is Negri out for the entire thing? I don't know. He did say that hopefully some of the players who are out should be coming back, but I don't know which I know ones he was referring Canone to. I know either Canone or Negri are out for the whole thing. One of them should be But I can't back. remember which is which. Yeah, I think, I think it might be Negri's. Negri might be back. I don't know. But that wasn't the only bit of history this weekend. Italy made history on all three days of the weekend. So today, we'll they made brief. history by drawing with France in France for the first time ever. That's their best result away in France against France. Yesterday, Andrea Piardi was the first ever Italian to referee a men's Six Nations game. And I thought he had a great game, the Ireland Wales game. And on Friday, Italy made history against France another time because the under 20s beat France in France for the first time in that tournament. France under 20s are the reigning under 20s world champions and they win that basically every year and Italy beat them. Granted for those of you that are saying well hang on France under 20s made massive rotations and some of the France under 20s weren't there like Tuolagi who was playing for the men but you can only beat the team that's in front of you. <laughs> You're sounding like the English fan. I, deli- I, de- I deliberately said that. I deliberately <laughs> said that. But it's in this case, it's true. They can't beat people that aren't there. So the French selection is their problem. And Italy beat them. Yeah. They didn't pick a side thinking they would lose. Let's put it that way. And the odds of them winning were tw- 10 to 1. And I know that because I won about 200 quid. There you go. Can you imagine if... Okay, I can't. I can't. You would have been like 500 quid up. Yeah. Because of one stupid ball that somehow gravity took over and wind that didn't exist took over and ref calls didn't happen. Yes, but he did win 200 pounds. Yeah, so, you know, that's fine. I'm fine with that. It would have been better to win a 500. But that's how gambling addictions start. (laughs) So I think I'll take that 200 and move on. So, yes, Italy beat the French under-20s for the first time in their history. The final score was 2023. And I want to say they beat them with 10 minutes in the Simbin. They had a yellow card against them. Yep. And their scrum was as dominant as dominant gets. A noticeable moment was... Right at the beginning, they had a penalty under France's sticks. There hadn't been a scrum in the game yet, and they opted for the scrum knowing that it would be dominant, and it absolutely destroyed France, and they scored from it. It was so ballsy, that call to go, we've got a penalty, we're going to call a scrum. And I turned to Eddie and I was like, that's pretty brave because you you haven't had a scrum yet. So you don't actually know that your scrum is dominant until you've had your scrum. And they were like, nope, we're just going to go for a scrum. And then they dominated the scrum. And then I think it was Casilio went and scored in the corner. It was world class, their scrum. Like, yeah. like, I don't know who would have been able to take on that Italy scrum on Friday night. Not at that level. It's really good because literally in this podcast, we were talking about what do they do and how do they fix this lack of weight in their pack. Mm-hmm. And in the same podcast, we're talking about how the under 20s literally made mincemeat of the French scrum. In fact, I think I counted the entire game there was only one Italian put in, which 
didn't end up being an Italian penalty. Phenomenal. It was truly phenomenal. We think back to two weeks before when Italy sadly didn't beat Ireland, but in the 79th minute, they had that scrum, Ireland put in scrum, and they marched them back so far that they won the penalty. And what they did against France was just building on that. Marcos Gallerini, man of the match performance. Oh my God, he is incredible. And I am so excited for three years time when that's another person in the Italy squad. And isn't he cute? And isn't he cute? He's so sweet. Look at that sweet face. His little face with his medal, his man of the match medal. But he didn't tape up his ears. He didn't. And normally he does, and Ellie was worried about his ears. So Marcos, if you're <laughs> if you're listening and you've, you're wearing your Man of the Match under-20s medal to bed, you need to remember to tape up your little tape ears. Tape up your ears because your mummy's going to be really upset because you're going to get horrible ears. Eddie, coach is looking <laughs> Ellie was so worried about your ears, Marcos. I was because they get all, like, gangly. We were watching Dan Cole the other day, and apparently, you know, he started bleeding from his head, and Eddie was saying that... He was listening to him chat about the fact that he can't sleep at night because his ears are so like He can scabby. sleep, but he can't use white sheets because obviously blood comes out of his ears. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, ugh. just tape up your ears, guys. Protect your heads. And obviously in that game as well, uh, Scalabrin was fantastic and we'll keep an eye out for him. But there we are. The under 20s did really well yeah. and they and made me some money. And they also have got the tough games out of the way. So now they go in with Wales and Scotland to play. And the history they made is really important because at under 20s, loads of these guys on all the sides aren't going to make it to be full-time professional rugby players. And the memories that they make will stay with them for the rest of their lives. And there were some fantastic shots, again, of Italy singing opera in the dressing rooms. Davide Ascari singing Ness and Dorma and it's just those memories will stay with them forever yeah. and it's even more beautiful because you know some of these players in a year two years time they'll be working as estate agents as accountants yeah. doing degrees masters whatever it is and this will be where their elite rugby journey ends. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful to see. And it's all about the memories. And I think, yeah, you were a bit emotional watching them because you're, you know, oh, you it back. took me back to my days. That was the weekend of Italian rugby. What made Coach Mad this week? The pyrotechnics at the uh, France game was a bit much. It, it kind of looked like the sum. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> yeah, too soon. It was very smoky, and I don't think that's very healthy for the players who are fine-tuned <laughs> machines. And I don't know why they'd want to play in essentially a 1990s pub. <laughs> it's a valid and a fair point. It was very foggy very from the smoky. pyrotechnics. The closing of the roof, were they just showing off? Probably, but I was concerned that that was actually going to stay for the whole game. Me too. Me too. It did dissipate, but it was really foggy it was for the first five minutes. No, I didn't like it. Also, the overuse of the word snaffle. Don't know if you've noticed that one. What does it mean? I don't know, but I oh. keep hearing it. <laughs> I've heard it multiple times from multiple commentators from multiple games. Snaff. Snaffle. Snaff. Snaffled the ball. Oh, like 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 yeah. snatched it. Like like managed to like jackal. I don't know. 
It's just, I don't think it's a real word. I wish I had time or the energy to find all the clips of him saying it, but watch out for it next time. Snaffle. It's not a word. Keep an ear out. Yeah. And about the pyrotechnics, I was thinking this, because those clips, you know, they love it. They love those fire cannon things. When all the players run out, they do it at Twickenham, they do it in Wales, they do it everywhere. They've been doing that for a long time now, and it's starting to be less cool. (laughs) Because now it's yeah, just what is absolutely expected. It's the bare minimum. So I was thinking, literally the other day, I was like, "What? What's? they have to do something else. That can't be it forever. <laughs> what are they doing in the NFL? How else can they make running out cool? How do they build that atmosphere? Well, they don't just turn them on for the five seconds that they're needed for. They have, like, light shows and Light shows. But do they have and... proper light shows? In the NFL. I don't know, but... I don't know. The folks sometimes do in the night in the nighttime games they do cool light shows. But I was thinking they just clips. They need to sort yeah, well yeah, Bayon did a really cool one. They do a really cool one. But I think they need to sort this out. They need to look at some NFL, look at some college American football and think, right, what are these guys doing? How can we make this really, really exciting running out? Because it is a tiny bit stagnant. Yeah, I agree. Also, Ireland, knock it off with the zombie song. It was good for that one moment in the World Cup. Stop it now. Do you know what, though? So, like, the song choices in general, and especially in, like, England, Wales, they're just the same four songs, like Sweet Caroline. There was another one the other day that I was like, who's going to sing along to that? Like, what is that song? Like, at least Zombie, everyone gets behind, and it's kind of emotive It's now. a great song, but it, it is doesn't a great need to be played every time you beat Wales. No, I agree, I agree. But then well, neither does Sweet Caroline. Well, they don't play that much of the f- rugby at all. That's football. But they do. They, I, I, but I do take your point that it is the same songs always repeated. Yeah, it is. Um, and also Sweet Chariot. Mario Tojo has asked them to stop singing it. If he asked them in person to stop singing it, I'm sure most of them would. You'd hope most of them would. They need to come up with some more songs. The French are better. Yeah. They've snuck in that clap that the Icelandic people do. You know that? Yeah, but again, that's clap. It's like, how un-French is that? Yeah. <laughs> You're not Vikings, French people. But they love it. They the love Welsh it. singing, they got their hymns and their songs. That's mm. good. That yeah. is good. But yeah, I mean, Zombie would... If, if Ireland won the World Cup, then Zombie would have been in there forever as their iconic song. And I said I was there... You know, when I was with my mate Hoggy watching Scotland play Ireland in the World Cup and, you know, I filmed them singing Zombie. I got, you know, close to 100,000 views. Anyway, it was monumentally cool. But I kind of agree a little bit. It's not so cool now. And they didn't go on to win the World Cup and it should maybe be their World Cup song. Otherwise, they'll get yeah. bored of it by the time it comes around. Yeah, that's true. Awful song, but they're wasting it. Yeah, yeah maybe you're right. Well, there we are. Those are the things that made you mad this week. Quite a few things. Last week I had none. Yeah. Mm. What a week. And that's what made Coach Mad this week. Right, guys, in any other business, I do really, really quickly want to mention how incredible the turnout was for the under-20s France v Italy game. Did you see the capacity of that stadium? It was packed. 15,000 people showed up to watch the under-20s. Huge, but also they've been turning up everywhere. And I think that's because they've really done well, credit where credit's due, with this under-20s tournament. Yeah. Putting it on Friday evenings on the BBC iPlayer, 
you can watch any of the games. It really gets you in the mood for the grown-up games, in inverted commas, on yeah. Saturday and Sunday. It's an absolute masterstroke, and I think the tournament itself is really entertaining. So anyone listening to this that hasn't been watching the under-20s, they happen on Friday evening, so sit at home and watch them. And the standard of rugby is excellent. It's really good. It's like how you imagined you played when you played at that age. I have to remind myself how good these guys are. They're ridiculous. But you know what? They It's come on loads in the last few years. Because if I think back yeah. to five years ago, watching under 20s, there'd still be lots of silly mistakes and stupid stuff done. And you'd be like, oh, come on. Well, they're only kids. Watching the France-Italy game, at no point did you have to say, oh, well, they're only kids True. or oh, they're only young. Mm. The game was well past that in standard. Yeah, yeah. And rightly so, because all the French players play in the top 14 in the Pro Dida and all the Italians are connected to the professional academies. But that is their job right now, is professional rugby players. And it shows. And it's really, really entertaining. It's really like having fun. another Six Nations going on at the same it time. It is. It's really Brilliant. fun. I'm really enjoying it. Friday nights. Who needs a night spot? I don't. Not you. Right, guys. Well, we've got a week off, but the URC is back this weekend, as we know. Benetton are playing Glasgow at home, which is a must win. Mm -hmm. And uh, a warm up for the following week where Italy are hosting Scotland. So that will be very exciting and one that Benetton really need to win to keep their chances of a home playoff alive. Both sides are missing lots of players, but hopefully with it being at home, the players that are still at Benetton right now can keep it a fortress. That's the aim and I don't see why not. Mm -hmm. So let's do it. In other news, Wales are gonna play South Africa a summer test at Twickenham on the day of the URC final. That's really clever. So clearly um, the, neither the Welsh nor South Africans think they're gonna make the URC final. Well, the South Africans don't care because if they make the URC final, they will just send their other players. They have about 40,000 professional <laughs> rugby players in, in South Africa and but from Wales, I think that is a bit of a sign that they've given up on making that game. The regions, that is. Um, and that's about it. So there we are. Guys, let's round this up. On paper, if somebody had said to you, a draw against France, will you take it? After what happened five months ago in the World Cup against France, yes, we all would have. We would have bitten your hand off. And Lamaro said it and Gonzalo said it at the end. At the end of the day, one kick does not define them. What defines them is what they put in for 80 minutes. And for 80 minutes, they were superb. And we should be so proud of them. Yes, you drown your sorrows in neat gin tonight, but we go again in two weeks' time. Assolutamente. Coach, you're still well bottom of the Fantasy League team, so you're definitely buying someone a night out on the town. Um, currently in position number one with a whopping 1,209 points is a man called Matthew, I assume, Matthew Morrow. So he sounds like he might be Birmingham or, or UK-based coach. A night out spritzing with Matthew? Yeah, still a long way to go, though. <laughs> you don't know where he is? No, he's in the No, he means a long tournament. way to go in the tournament. Oh, oh. <laughs> yes. Sorry, are you thinking you can still win this league? I always have hope. <laughs> you're, you're literally sitting pretty much rock bottom. But for people who don't know, Coach didn't realise that he has to update his team every week. So he had, like, players, players like Negri still on his team. He's been I didn't even know you could have a super sub. Or the captain thing, because I didn't scroll down to the bottom of the page. 
Yeah. So there we are. He's um he's taken someone out for a night on the town. And that's it. We have recorded early this week because we are off skiing. La settimana bianca. We'll be back as usual next week. We'll comment on the URC games and we'll look ahead to Scotland. Grazie mille. Follow us on all our social medias. Coach has something special he's putting out in the next day or two. It's finally, finally here. And I've seen a preview. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao a tutti.